Hey, Myrtle lovers, this is Fatina, and you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. Hey, everyone. Today, I have a hell of a story for you. I was watching the show Worst Roommate Ever. I think there's a documentary about one particular uh, case, but there's also a series with different cases. And I was like, holy shit, like some of the roommate stories on there are just bonkers. So I started doing some research on maybe one that wasn't on that series. And I found one that is um, pretty wild. So this is the case of Ryan Zimmerman. And it takes place in Ohio, the case is mostly um, known for the interrogation that is public that was done for this case. So I'm going to go through the entire case with you and then we'll talk about it a little bit more. So the story involves four different people, at least that we know of. Corey and Sarah were married. Um, this was back in 2015. They were married, living together. They had an apartment and they had an open marriage type of situation where they were okay with them bringing different partners into the house or having different partners outside of the house as long as they told each other about them. And sometimes they would share those partners as well and have like a threesome or um, a situation like that. So in early 2015, Sarah through different social media sites. On one of the social media sites, she met and started hanging out with a woman called Naria Jenna Whitaker. Uh, They started hanging out. She said that they would come over, she would, um, that Naria would come over to their house and they would watch some movies and they had a couple dates together. When it started getting a little bit more serious and it started getting more into like a physical type relationship, um, Naria told Sarah that she was a transgendered woman and she wanted her to know that up front before they moved forward with anything else and Sarah was totally okay with this. At this point Sarah's husband was um, not very keen on Naria and didn't like too much that his wife was hanging out with Naria but it was at the moment that he found out that Naria was a transgendered woman that it was he was actually more intrigued by it. He had told Sarah at some point that in his mind, the perfect relationship for their open marriage would be between him, her, Sarah, and a transgendered man or woman. They wanted, uh, he wanted the third person to be someone that was transgendered. He didn't care if it was man or woman, um, but that he thought that would be the perfect combination for their open marriage. But Sarah and Corey didn't get along too well, so um, they kind of, Sarah and Naria started not having as much communication, and a couple months went by. After a couple months went by, Corey also was on social media sites and on one of these forums, I think it was Craigslist, he found on the personal ads an ad from a young man called Ryan Zimmerman. 
um, who was from a different state, and he had been expressing the want of being in a relationship where he was being taken care of. He wanted a feminine role in a relationship with a man. And now we know that Ryan, who was only 21 years old at the time, was starting to explore his sexuality and wanted to not only learn more, but live out his life how he wanted to, which was um, have that feminine role in a relationship. And he was in his Google searches trying to find out more about hormone therapies and trying to uh, learn more about the process of tra- of transitioning. So Sarah says that she did have a couple conversations with Ryan over the internet and she did not like how um, subservient he was and how his self-esteem was very low, that he said he was an artist as well and she had a bachelor's in um, some sort of art degree and she offered to help him to help him with his art and he said no I'd rather you know it's okay don't worry about it I'm not good no one's going to ever buy my art anyway and she just didn't like that so they didn't get they didn't get off to a good start but Corey was insistent in trying to um, bring Ryan into that relationship so Sarah finally agreed that uh, Ryan could move in with them into a spare bedroom because Ryan, one way or another, was trying to leave his hometown, trying to start his life anew and get uh, different experiences. So she finally agreed that he could move in for three months, that he would be responsible for paying a part of the rent, and that he would be responsible for uh, money for groceries and whatnot and bills. So in July of 2015, Something also happened where Naria needed somewhere to stay and she moved into the living room of Sarah and and Corey's house or apartment. They they makeshifted a room out of the living room. They put up some curtain rods just to give her some privacy, but she was technically renting out the living room from them. At the same time, Naria and Sarah were carrying on a relationship. This is all known to Corey as well, but he did not partake in that relationship with them too. A month later, that is when Ryan moved into that spare bedroom. And I believe Sarah said that rent was about $600 a month. So he was paying a third of it, which was about $200. And then he, on top of that, some bills and grocery money. He didn't have a job. So part of the contract was that in those three months, he would have to keep looking, uh, he would look for a job so he can get back on his feet and um, he would be moved out by the end of the three months. So as time went on, um, now with all four of them living under one roof, Naria kept telling Sarah that she did not like Orion, that she caught him at the top of the stairs, just eavesdropping on conversations, just didn't like him for one reason or another, And Sarah now says that Naria always made like weird comments about wanting to like deal with him and kill him. Or she also said that Naria at some point also would say, you know, what what do you think would happen if we run this bicyclist off the road? Or 
Um, she said that one time they were in a parking lot walking out to their car, and she said, well, what do you think would happen if, if I just walk up to that lady, shoot her dead in her car? And just weird, morbid comments like that. And um, But she never thought anything of it. She just thought that Nari had a dark sense of humor. Now, after they'd been living together for a couple of months, um, Naria was still not liking Ryan and vice versa. It looks like Ryan just kind of kept to himself. And during this time, it looked, uh, it sounds like, um, Ryan had a couple interviews lined up for potential jobs, but he decided just not to go to them because he, again, this is where that self-esteem part comes in. He said that, um, he didn't think that he would get the job anyway because his resume wasn't good enough. So he, why even bother go to these interviews? This is all from Sarah saying this, now that this is why he didn't go to these interviews. But nonetheless, he was not kind of fulfilling his part of the contract, which was he was going to try and get back on his feet and get a job. Corey, after Ryan had moved in and stuff like this started happening where he wasn't what he thought he was, I guess, when he was talking to him on the internet and had grown infatuated with him before, he decided that he no longer wanted Ryan to live with them. He asked him to move out. So he asked him to move out. He gave him a weekend that he had to be out by Sunday. That same weekend that Corey had asked Ryan to move out, Corey had met a different woman from an online forum and had um, she was flying in from out of town and he was going to meet up with her. He had booked a weekend to spend the whole weekend with her in a hotel and Sarah was well aware of this. She knew that Corey would be gone for the weekend and she had also um, been left to make sure that Ryan was leaving as Corey had asked him to. So Corey went on to his encounter with this other woman and that was Friday evening. Come Saturday morning, um, and Sarah's a little blurry on these details as far as the exact timeline, but we know that Saturday, the 26th, they, both her and Naria started talking more and more about, um, them not like liking Ryan and not getting along with him. And Sarah says that Naria started making more comments about how she would actually carry out a plan to kill him and to get rid of him. Now, I don't know why she was saying this because he was literally about to move out. Um, and sometime during the morning, Sarah says that she walked up to the top of the stairs and there was a note on the banister saying, can you come, please come talk to me from Ryan to her. She said she really didn't feel like talking to him at that point. She was like, you know, ready for him to move out too. And so she ignored that. She walked back downstairs and then that is when he poked his head out his bedroom door and caught her and said, hey, can you come to my room really quick? And she did, so she said she went up to his room, she sat on his floor, and he started asking for a second chance to stay there a little bit longer, and she said no. She said, I respect my husband's wishes, I am going to stand behind him on this, we would like you to move out by the end of this weekend. And so she left it at that, she came back downstairs, and she of course told Naria everything that they had just talked about up in the upstairs bedroom. And this is when Naria started getting a little bit more serious about 
we should kill Ryan. And so that is when she started planning out a murder. She said, Sarah says that Naria at this point had discussed with her that they were going to attack him as soon as he came out of the bathroom. And Naria had a rag soaked in bleach and also had a bottle of vinegar nearby because she knew that those two ingredients would cause a chemical reaction and if they put it up against his face would at least make him unconscious. So later on that day, after Ryan had gone to the restroom, as soon as he opened the door and came out, Sarah said she felt like she needed to do this because she was in deep love with Naria, that she wanted to do this for her, with her, that she attacked Ryan from behind. She jumped on him, choked him, pulled him down to the ground while Naria put together the rag with the vinegar on it and put it on there to suffocate him. She said as soon as he was like unconscious that she, Sarah, went into the office, sat in a corner and cried. After that, she heard Naria calling out for her because she needed help getting him to the bathtub. And she says that she refused to do that. After some time, she said that Naria put Ryan's body into the bathtub. And it gets crazy here. Um, started, uh, used a hacksaw or sorry, used a handsaw from the outside shed, brought it in, and started, uh, put a bag over his head, and beheaded him. She then put his head into a plastic bag, went downstairs, and put it in the family freezer. After that, she cut off his hands and his feet at the joints, put those in a trash bag as well, and put them in the freezer. From there, She said she was getting tired, so she asked Sarah to come help. She said that Naria was getting tired, that it was long, exhausting work. So she went and took a nap while Sarah continued by taking off his forearms and his calves next. Put them in the trash bags as well. After that, Naria came back in and They were scared that they were not going to finish in time by the time that Corey got back. They wanted to do all this before Corey got back from his encounter with another woman. And what they did from there is um, she said that Naria went downstairs to her living room situation area and got like a storage bin and brought that up to the bathroom. She had emptied whatever she had in there and she brought it up to the bathroom And from there, she didn't know what else to do with the torso. They put the torso in a trash bag and then put that into the storage bin. From there, they put the trash bag that contained the forearms and the calves of Ryan into that storage bin with him, with his torso. At that point, Naria had already planned this out. And just that one day, according to Sarah, She said that she called a friend who she does not know of that was out of state and had that friend buy tickets for them for the Greyhound to come back from 
uh, a different part of Ohio back to their house. The plan was to take Ryan's car, put the storage bin in it, go leave his car abandoned about four and a half hour drive away, and then hop on the Greyhound bus back and go home as if nothing had happened. So she asked her who bought the Greyhound tickets and Naria said that she didn't need to tell her because it was a need to know basis and she didn't need to know who bought them or who was involved in this. I don't know if the person who bought those tickets knew why they were buying those tickets. There have been no other charges brought up to anyone else so I don't think that this person might have known why they were buying a one-way Greyhound bus ticket for Naria and for Sarah. Once they're done with that, they've put him in a storage bin. They put the storage bin in the trunk of Ryan's car and they start driving. Sarah gets about, they get about 30, 45 minutes away from there where they need to stop for gas. She said they stop for gas, they fill up, and then when they go to start the car up again, it won't start. They still have a four-hour drive to go at this point. She's freaking out. They're trying to figure out what to do. And the best thing that they could do while they're trying to figure, you know, trying to start the car again is call a tow truck. So they end up calling a tow truck and they tow the car back to their home. They leave it in an alley close to the home, but not directly like in front of their house or anything, but they leave it nearby. From there, Sarah says that Naira, sorry, Naria, um, gets, tells her that they have no other option at this point but to drive Sarah's own car to the destination. So what they do is that they um, move the storage bin that contains Ryan's torso and legs and arms into the back seat of Sarah's car. And then Sarah says that Naria proceeds to completely dishevel Ryan's car, takes stuff out of the glove box and moves some stuff around just so it seems like it's been rummaged through. And then they get on the road. Through their road trip, they're traveling through a big part of Ohio and what they're doing um, is that they have the hands, the calves, sorry, not the hands and calves, the forearms and calves in different bags, and they are trolling around Ohio. They're taking random exits with no actual plan in mind, and this is the middle of the night. They are pulling off random exits, and they're going through the back parts of stores and whatnot looking for big trash cans that are open, unsupervised, that are not in well-lit areas so they can discreetly throw away these bags. And that's what they do for both the forearms and both the calves. From there, um, they dispose of the torso as well. They think they're done. They start driving back home. She said that, you know, she's so tired at this point that they start pulling off at random exits to take quick back road country naps so they can recharge and keep driving home. Uh, again, they're trying to beat Corey back, but eventually when they make it home, Corey is there waiting for them. He's pissed. He said that, well, not he said, but Sarah said that he's mad because she turned off her cell phone 
and he's been trying to get a hold of her to say, hey, where are you? He was mad. He was upset. He didn't know where either of them were. So he didn't know if anything had gone wrong with them. Anything was wrong. So um, she said that she didn't even have the energy to argue with him at that point about anything, that he didn't suspect anything. There was nothing um, in the house that made it seem like they just fucking butchered someone. So she said she just went to sleep. After that, when she woke up again, she told Corey that, yeah, everything went smoothly with Ryan moving out, that he just packed up his stuff and left. So that tells me that there was probably not that much stuff in the room to deal with. I don't know what they did with his personal belongings or, you know, his clothes, his shoes, etc. Um, she said that um, he didn't have much, that at one point she was even letting him use she said she doesn't remember if it was a laptop or a tablet, but a means for him to get on the internet and have communication with the world. So um, he didn't have much to his name. And um, Corey just thought that he had moved out, that he had actually gone through with what he had asked him, which is moving out that weekend. And he had never, and he never heard of, uh, of him again. So that was in November um, of 2000. 15 and I'm sorry September of 2015 and two days after on the 27th because Ryan's car was in this like back alleyway um Naria had taken off the license plates it was just an abandoned car the car was impounded and so September 25th was the last time that his family had any contact with him. That was the same day that Narya and Sarah took this, uh, murdered him. And his family, because they hadn't had any contact with him, and they finally found that his car had been impounded, they filed a missing persons report on November 17th, 2015. Um, again, he's a state away from them. They've had no contact with him. Um, otherwise they would have had constant contact. So they, they were able to file the police report, even though he was over 21. And on January 5th, 2016, there was a woman walking her dog and she ended up calling 911 because she found what was potentially human remains. Mercer County Sheriff's Office. It's a yeah, sorry, uh, um, I may be just totally off my rocker. But I was just out walking my dog, and I came across some bones that looked to me to be human. Maybe they're not. But I was wondering if I could send those pictures to you or email them to you. Okay, where, where did you find this at, ma'am? Um, right on Coldwater Creek. I was over walking my dog, you know, right where they're doing the construction. So she found them at a construction site. Um, she was walking her dog, and I love that she starts with, I might be completely off my rocker, because when... Do you ever think you're going to stumble on human remains right out in the open and that you're just that it is going to be the worst thing you could possibly think of? So at that point, um, it was a torso that she and her dog stumbled upon of Ryan Zimmerman. Uh, again, no hands, no feet, no forearms, no calves, no head, just a torso and the sheriff's department started trying to identify right away what this re what these remains were. Um, they were able to identify same day that they were indeed human, 
It did take them a couple of months to try and extract DNA from them. They weren't able to extract enough DNA to do comparisons with, but at this point there was no DNA gathered from his family. They hadn't linked those two cases together as to the possible person that was missing from Kentucky and this these remains that were found in Ohio. So now we move on to January 5th. That's when the, the remains were found. And at the end of January, Corey and Sarah get an amicable divorce. Um, it's not messy. They just choose to file for divorce and that's pretty much it. And at the same time, Sarah and Naria get married to each other and they move back to Sarah's hometown. Time goes on. They do see in the news that the remains were found, but not much is happening, at least on the public side of things. And so they go on living their life. Um, she said that at, at one point, um, every couple of months, they were they would search through the news to see if there's any updates on this, and there was there was no updates on this, on these remains that were found. So they thought they were free and clear. She said that they also had made a suicide pact, her and Arya, that would they, if they had ever gotten found out, the plan was that Naria would shoot Sarah and then shoot herself. Sarah said that Naria, still at that point, being anatomic, anatomically male, would be probably sent to a male prison and that would be her worst nightmare so the best way to end things would be to kill themselves and it wasn't so after this they lived all of five years with absolutely nothing happening to them no news about this case no news about ryan zimmerman in the news they think they're good they're living life out in the open. Um, the neighbor said they're just quiet girls, not much of them. They said Sarah's very friendly and that Naria just kind of just keeps to herself. But other than that, nothing worth noting. So at that point, a whole, a whole ass five years go by, right? And it wasn't till the, the, the sheriff's department said that every four to six weeks, they would have a meeting on this case, trying to figure out what happened. Some of the meetings were just head scratchers where there was nothing new to follow, nothing new to follow up on. And, but again, they would meet again every four to six weeks just to see if there's anything new. What else do we do? And it wasn't until one detective started looking through missing persons reports and found that the timeline for Ryan gone missing, the last they'd heard of him, and when this body was found, it was all just very close. What they could tell from the skeletal remains was that at least it was a, a male in their young 20s. So they started contacting the families of those missing people. And in Ryan's case, they contacted his family, his brothers, um, his siblings, and they were able to do a DNA comparison and confirmed 100% that it was Ryan. Now, before I continue on to the arrest, there's also this piece of the head and the hands and the feet. Um, 
Naria told Sarah that these were the parts that she had kind of kept uh, the head not only for a trophy, but also because these were going to be the most easily identifiable parts of a human. So she knew that she couldn't just dump those out into garbage cans like the other pieces. And the head, according to Sarah, Naria went and bought a pot that you like cook in and made a lye mixture, just went to a department uh, like a Home Depot or something and bought lye and made a lye mixture and put Ryan's head inside the pot and then wrapped that pot with like three or four garbage bags and kept moving it from freezer to freezer um, when they moved. So the Ryan's head was following them from place to place when they moved three or four times. When they moved out of Corey and Sarah's house, when they moved into like an interim place until they moved to Sarah's uh, back to their hometown. So there was, they, they had this constant reminder, um, of, of Ryan. Um, I don't know. I couldn't find what exactly happened with the hands and feet. I can only imagine that they went into that pot as well because there's no mention of throwing them away. Um, again, because it could have been like fingerprinted or um, just more easily identifiable. So it was, um, we know at least the head, for lack of a better word, traveled with them through their different homes throughout the years. So the day came where they finally tracked down you know, the last, now that they know it was Ryan, they worked a little bit backwards and they figured out, you know, who it was that he was living with. What is it that was happening in his life at the moment that he went missing when he was killed? Um, I mean, they knew from the torso itself that it wasn't anything natural. It wasn't like, um, I think the sheriff said, you know, we knew right away that it wasn't like a heart attack victim who had been there and passed away and no one found till later. Like we knew this was someone that had died a terrible death because it, everything was cut at the joints. So Sarah was finally arrested on August 25th, 2021. As, and they took her in, confessed everything. I don't know why. It wasn't done at the same time, but as they were approaching Naria to discuss this with her at her home, there's five cops in the room with her that are coming there to arrest her, to take her in. She still has her purse on her. She takes out a gun and she dies by a self-inflicted gunshot wound in front of five officers. So she ultimately took her own life um, because she knew that they had finally caught up to them and they had figured out who murdered Ryan Zimmerman. Now the piece that is um, fascinating on this is the interrogation, the confession that they got from Sarah. I will say that um, a couple of things that I noticed on this interrogation, it's very fucking cold. There is zero emotion. Um, she is she is just telling the detectives exactly what happened, just like I'm telling you right now what happened. 
but probably with even less emotion. Um, she is talking without an attorney present, which she waived her right to. She does have an attorney representing her at the time of this interrogation, but her attorney just let allowed her to speak to the detectives. I think she was so fucked up at this point. She was so fucked on this case that the, the, the attorney was just like, yeah, go ahead and talk to them. What else do we have to fucking hide at this point? So she, it was about an hour long and she told them everything that happened, um, all the details. And I will say this, keep in mind that we will ever only hear Sarah's version of events. So she's pinning the actual kill on Narya and um, the initial dismemberment to Narya. The idea, the whole plan on taking this out is Narya's, according to Sarah. I'm not saying that's not the truth, but again, we don't have Narya's version because Narya killed herself. So... It's um, taken with a grain of salt, I would say, at least for me, because she's putting all of the big blame on Narya. I don't like that Narya had told her, I want to kill him and I want to do this and I, and you know, let's do it this way. And not at one point did Sarah say, I told her to stop it or don't do it or, or you know, what are you talking about or anything like that nothing to stop her so it's it's weird that sarah didn't do this she said that she did it out of love for naria because this is something that naria wanted to do if you ask me ryan was about to move out let her move out i think if nothing else um naria only did it because maybe she thought this was going to be the last weekend that she had an opportunity to carry this out not so much um just didn't want him to be around in her life. So that said, um, full trial on this. Um, she was, um, Sarah was the only one that was brought up on charges. She had a total of, she had, uh, her charges were two charges, uh, sorry, two counts of aggravated murder, two counts of murder, three counts of kidnapping, assault, abduction, an account, uh, count on tampering with evidence, Grand Theft Auto, because they initially stole Ryan's car, possession of criminal tools, and two counts of abuse of a corpse. And she ended up getting sentenced on January 20th, 2022, and was sentenced to 30 years to life with the possibility of parole after 30 years. And they completely cleared Corey, her ex-husband, on any of this. Um, he had no idea this had happened, that this was a plan. Um, it was all between Sarah and Naria. And they, again, they didn't bring up any charges on the person that bought the Greyhound tickets, which they didn't even use, obviously, because they used Sarah's car. But um, obviously that person was not involved, at least to an extent that we know, in knowing what had taken place or why it is that they were buying those Greyhound tickets. So just a wild story, ain't it? To have, to, to be, gosh, to be away from home. Ryan is in this phase of life where he's trying to discover himself and, you know, 
um, he moved out of home and, and was in a new city, new people. And he, um, just this person, the only reason that he was killed was because they didn't like him. That's it. Nari didn't like him. Um, it's not like he drove a wedge between the, the marriage between Corey and Sarah or between Naria and Sarah. And it's just weird that there really was no other freaking motive than she just didn't like him. Um, and for it to be such a brutal, brutal murder on top of it all just adds, you know, insult to injury that there was no actual reason, not that, you, you know, there needs to be, but there's no known reason as to like why she killed him. Like he never, as far as we know, never insulted or, um, verbally or emotionally or anything assaulted any of the, of the people in that house. So it's just bonkers that they would carry out such a brutal murder for not liking a person. So <sighs> all that to say, beware of who you pee on the Craigslist. <laughs> Um, don't go taking in roommates or vet them a little bit harder. Um, if you ever need to vet a roommate, let me know. We'll Google the shit out of them, see who they are. But it's just, um, it's hard, right? I know a lot of people use Craigslist and other forums like that to try and find roommates, but yeah, this guy was about to move out and they took him out the way they did. It's so terrible. I'll post a link to the interview that Sarah did to the interrogation so you guys have um, access to see that yourselves and um, and listen to it and, and take uh, notes of her demeanor during it. It's really chilling. She has really no remorse. She says she does. She has now been quoted saying she'll live with this for the rest of the life and she wishes she hadn't done it and, you know, all this other BS. But I'm like you did it and it's terrible and you deserve to be in prison so that is the case of ryan zimmerman be careful of who you become roommates if you with if you choose to pick them off a craigslist all right take care bye